0: listening to the mini market podcast presented by tell sports it is episode three the mini market podcast i am dalton here with connor isaiah and lucas we are recording monday january 18th it was another quiet week for the twins and the vikings as a vikes fan it was good to see the saints lose to the buccaneers this weekend especially with former Gophers Tyler Johnson and Antoine Winfield Jr. playing big parts in the victory. It did sting watching Winfield Jr. and Johnson ball out knowing that we took Jeff Gladney and KJ Osborne instead of Winfield Jr. and Johnson. Hopefully in the long run, we'll be glad that we took Gladney and Osborne, or at least Gladney. Osborne seems like he might be hopeless. But they are rookies, so we'll trust the process and see how this turns out in a few years. Anyway, today is the winter sports pod, so let's get into that, fellas.
1: Can we jump back to Antoine Winfield's tweet uh, this or Instagram caption this morning? I mean, that was just pure savagery at its finest. And honestly, you don't expect to see that from a professional athlete. I feel like that stuff doesn't happen that often. But for him to say, made some grown men cry last night and I don't feel bad about it that was for my pops back in 09 hashtag bucks win (laughs) i mean if you if you're a
2: vikings fan you have to love that love that that's the absolute icing on the cake for a saint's loss there's just like unless the vikings win like that's pretty much probably like the second closest thing to uh, the vikes beating the saints right (laughs) antoine winfield jr who was obviously witnessing that game and probably hates the saints just as much as we do so (laughs)
3: such a one of us moment where it's like, everyone's just so happy that this guy who's not even on the Vikings, but he's like somehow connected to the Vikings through his dad is just like going after him over the Vikings. Like that's just so great.
0: Always good for a big old up yours of Sean Payton. So Sean Payton up yours. <laughs> 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 the Gulfs are doing uh, well in, uh, in hoops and in hockey. I think men's hockey team still ranked number one. Um despite a tough sweep this weekend. Um, and then men's, men's Hoops handed Michigan their first loss of the year. Marcus Carr is playing pretty well. He, second-year transfer from Pittsburgh, played himself into most mock drafts. I've seen him in the second round. He's a little bit of an older player, so not going to be a first-round pick, but definitely could go second round. And that would give the Ghosts two draft picks in uh, consecutive years. Daniel, Daniel Arturu was picked last year. And Marcus Carr, can you guys name the last two Gophers basketball players to be picked in consecutive years? I'll give you the years 03 and 04. I think you can get one of them.
2: Is one of them Ralph Sampson the third?
3: I think he was like a little later.
2: Was he now after yeah. that? Yeah, after that. That was the only guy I had on in mind. One of them is
0: known more almost as a reality star.
3: Oh, i Chris Humphreys. Oh. Dang. I have no idea who the other one is
0: none other than Rick Rickert everyone's favorite yeah. gopher. what
3: you <laughs> know three ask your parents about that one apparently that was some fun trivia that's some good history right there
0: some good history kids put your notebooks away um so yeah Richie Patino has got his his boys playing well they're 11-0 at home
1: I think that Michigan game was a really good sign of things to come for that like it was something that we haven't seen from Patino teams in the past, which is they took a punch in the early in the second half. Because they went into the half up like what, thirteen. I think so. And then they sort of expanded the lead and then Michigan looked like they were going to start rolling there for a second. And then the gophers just put the foot back down.
3: Yeah, up seven up seven at half. And then I think they cut the lead down to like three or four. And then like like you're saying, we just like went on a tear where we I think we went on like a 10 2 run or something like that to really stretch the lead, which is great to see. I I am a huge fan of Liam Robbins, the uh the big man who transferred from Drake, I believe. He like can step behind the arc and shoot the three ball a little bit, and he's pretty good around the hoop. I know Michigan had the I think he's a freshman, like Hendrickson is maybe his name.
0: Dickinson, D- Hunter. Yeah, Rickinson.
3: Dickinson. And uh and I think a lot of people think he's gonna be all, all big ten or at least all big ten rookie team. And he was, like, super efficient the first time the Gophers played him. So it was fun to see us play a little better defense on him. Um, and then also just see Robbins kind of doing his thing, go, getting inside. He's got some good post moves, and he, like, moves really well for a big man. So it's fun to watch.
0: Patino's got a little bit of a, an interesting strategy in the way he builds his teams. He's so active on the, the transfer market. Like, what, four starters or transfers, I think. I think Kelsher's the only starter who – he actually recruited out of high school, which is kind of nuts, a different approach than yeah most programs take. But it kind of works. I mean, you get in, you get these guys who are who are seasoned at maybe a mid major or um, you know, I think both gotch came from Utah, but still like he's getting these guys who aren't coming straight from high school, so they just come in if they can mesh well. He's getting them, you know, sophomore juniors, so he has them for a couple years, which is fun.
3: Yeah, it'd be really sweet if uh the gophers could somehow throw up a prayer and get uh, chet holmgren who's like the the big man from minnehaha who's the number one recruit in the senior class i believe that would be awesome to get him because that dude he's got some really great like vi- his video clips out there are pretty sweet like he can handle the ball and like he looks like just dangly because he's just like a big dude but he's so skinny but uh it'd be fun to get a big name recruit to stay home for once Especially in basketball, which like Minnesota always is that like state of hockey vibe. But like they pump out serious basketball recruits and then lose them to like big time schools. But
0: but if we added Chet, Chet and Liam, the Twin Towers, the two whitest names out there. A couple of gangly <laughs> white dudes just hucking threes. I'm all in on that squad.
3: That'd be a good team.
0: Yeah, we're going
2: to get the barn rocking if that happens. It's a bummer. It would be so much fun.
1: Yeah, I'll be courtside in a chicken costume <laughs> if if he's there.
2: Well, I mean, hell, maybe they maybe they like the no fans. What are they, 11-0 and 0 at home or yeah, something Yeah, 11-0 like that? at home,
0: 0-4 on the road. So if they played all their games at home, they'd be a Final Four team, I'm telling you.
3: They're Do sick. we think that teams need to start doing altitude training before coming to Minnesota because of the raised floor? Big
0: brain idea over here.
3: Maybe the, in the locker room, they're just not quite used to <laughs> the elevation that they'll be seeing on the court. Getting a little vertigo. It's something to consider.
1: Get them cross training on some balance beams, so they (laughs) they know what it's like up there in the clouds
3: especially all these like uh midwest schools where it's just all the plain schools they're so level that you get on that elevated court and sometimes it's just enough to make the difference in uh in an 18 point win over michigan
0: i like that we're we're endorsing that here uh tom sports we yeah i like that so let's keep the good vibes rolling with the wild hot 2-0 start kirill the thrill kaprizov just killing it first two games
3: I mean, anybody who's watching the wild, like, this guy is electric. He is all energy all the time. He's so skilled with the puck. Like, it's, it's really refreshing to have someone on the wild that is just like a you, – you look at him and you're like, wow, that guy has superstar potential. Because it's been, like, since Marion Gabrick, really, since we've had someone like that. So, a good 15, 15 years since Gabrick was, like, kind of an up-and-coming guy. So it's been so fun to watch him just creating offense, uh, leading the team in points uh, with one goal. I think everybody on the Wild has like one goal pretty much. So tied for that. And then he has three assists, just an electric factory.
1: Player of the week too, didn't he win? So, I mean, even even great to get a little national recognition for an incredible start to your NHL career.
3: Yeah, in the NHL, they go with the stars of the week. So he's like the first star of the week. So basically the player of the week in the NHL, which is... Just big, a good debut.
0: Yeah, I never know. First or third, I don't know, because three stars versus one star. But first is the best?
3: I think first is the best. All right, we'll we might need that. to fact check that, but I think he was the first star of the week.
0: I like it.
2: Love that. I'm just really happy I took the over in podcast number one for us of 12 goals. I think that's hitting easy. After just seeing that game winner in, in game one. Just picked it right out of his pocket and then just danced right by the goalie. I love that. Hammer the over,
3: everybody. I don't know. Is he more of a dimer, though? I mean, he's a a points guy, that's for sure. Like, you can tell. Like, his big thing was I think he led the KHL in goals the last two seasons. So he's definitely a goal scorer. But he certainly creates a lot when he's on the ice. And, yeah, it's fun to watch. Talking about
0: him getting national attention with his um, first star of the week for the NHL. I was reading an article last week, and it rank, It was ranking NHL players 23 and under, and it had different tiers of players. The first tier was like elite NHL player. Uh, second tier was like elite all-star, sort of fringe in that category. And they had Kaprizov in the fifth tier, which was uh, top line forward, and that was below bubble all-star which I felt like was just incredibly underrating him. Like, I thought he had a lot of hype coming out of the KHL because he led them in goals. But this was a national guy saying that, he, you know, he's not even a bubble all-star. I feel like watching his first two games, it seems like there's no doubt that he's at least a bubble all-star, if not like a future all-star lock.
3: Yeah, I think sometimes it's just the unknown of coming over from a different league overseas and being a little older in a start. Like, if he comes over and doesn't, produce right away because I think it came out before. I maybe you said this and I missed it but before the weekend
0: yeah it was last week that I read the so article.
3: before they saw him like playing a little bit but I think that could be part of it is there's just a lot of unknowns when you're coming over from from the KHL or any of the Europe leagues on whether it'll translate because the NHL's super physical and a lot of guys who come over from Europe are, are, are smaller guys or thinner guys or things like that so
2: I was just thinking about how we just got to ride this hype train for as long as possible. Right. I'm trying to think back to when there was like, when the last time a Minnesota team had had a savior type aura to him, like, like a like I know ant man now is here, but like he, did everyone was kind of questioning who was going to be the number one pick cat could be an argument, but like, it just, after that first game, it just is so he looked so great on the ice and it's just so nice to finally have him here. There was so much hype building up to, to his arrival and now now he's finally here i feel like we just got to ride that ride the high for as long as possible
1: are we overreacting a little after that are we overreacting yes. i mean the the kings are not a good hockey team right they've they're old like the kings are old they've got skeletons out there skating around um and two overtime wins with two kind of rough second periods like what what is the foundation of this team what do we think they're going to do after after these two games like what do we see
0: i don't think the wild are necessarily a good team but i do think kaprizov is legitimate like he's not going to put up 2 points a game for the whole season but this wasn't a surprise like throughout training camp all of his teammates and coaches were just raving about him so it's not like he you know struggled through training camp and lucked into some points in the first two games i think i think kaprizov's a legit stud But the team success, that might not be as sustainable.
3: Yeah, I think for some perspective, um, the Kings were like the fourth worst points, points team. So that's how hockey does it in like points. So they had like the fourth lowest in the entire NHL last year and the second lowest point total in the Western Conference. So like they're bad. But I think one thing the Wild have going for them is being moved into the Pacific Division. Cause all three of the, the California teams were the three lowest point totals in the NHL or in the, um, in the Western conference last year. And then it was like the Blackhawks and then the Coyotes, I think. So like four of the bottom five were, are in the, in the wild conference or division this year. So I think that bodes really well for us. Cause the, the divisions got jumbled this year just to, um, fit for the Canadian teams all being in the same division since they can't come and play here however that works but I think the Wilds division is actually like pretty clutch this year for them because they have three really bad teams and I would say the Coyotes are pretty comparable to the Wilds so it's really just beat them out and then four teams from each division go to the playoffs so you basically just have to beat the Coyotes out and and we're in the playoffs so I think that can be huge because I think it would be fun to get the Wild on that stage and seek see how Kaprasov plays, you know, when we're playing against top tier teams. I think that would be fun. And if we can get Fiala clicking, I know he's kind of had a slower start. I mean, we're only two games in, but uh, if he gets rolling, like there's a chance they could make a move at the deadline and they could turn into a decent team, I think. But, you know, like I said, it's the Kings. It's a little early. We're probably getting a little overexcited, but, you know, that's what we do. That's what fans do.
1: And we got the ducks tonight, so like let's just keep the good times rolling.
3: Yeah, we own California. That's the that's the business model this year is to own California. And if (laughs) we do own California, then we're then we're going to the playoffs. So
1: yeah, looking at the West, it's so top heavy. Like Colorado is like, I mean, one of the best teams in the NHL. Like they're stacked. Vegas proved again at the in like the second half of last year through the playoffs. Like they're a really good team.
0: Does anyone know? Is the NHL using the same expansion draft structure for Seattle as they did for Vegas? Because the fact that Vegas came in and was like immediately elite makes me feel like the NHL needs to reconsider its expansion draft strategy. Because, like, every other sport you expand, you're bad. That's the way it is. But you have a team, so fans can be excited even though you're bad. You shouldn't come into the league and immediately be a Stanley Cup contender.
1: I'm okay with that. I think that's good for the league. If like your new team is good, that really galvanize that fan base that comes in
0: but they have a new team they're going to be excited either way
1: I mean how long does that last if your team is trash for three straight years I think it's good to have a little success early kind of wet that whistle and you have those good times that will get you through the dark days in the future
0: I say you got to struggle as a Minnesota fan you got to struggle we're going on what 25 years I've been on this earth for 25 years I've never seen a major championship appearance you should not get that year one you got to put in at least a decade
1: Okay, but the best wild season was our expansion season. Arguably, right? Like that was our best finish. And that was our either our first or our second year in the league. So, I mean, we benefited from it too.
3: Yeah, I'm trying I think it was like our third season in the NHL is when the Wild went to the Western Conference Finals. But still like you could make the argument that was built on a lot on the expansion draft. I do think they changed the rules a little bit with like how the the type of players you can keep like I think previously there were like less options so like now the NHL will there's there's certain guidelines and I'll probably mess them up but I'll give them a shot just for fun but I think it's like you can keep like 10 skaters um, and then like one goalie or if you want to specifically keep like four defensemen which like some people think the Wild might do because we have a really strong top four D-men, then you can only keep eight skaters. So there's like differences in how you want to do it. So if you keep three D-men, then you can keep seven forwards. Or if you keep the extra D-men, then you get like less forwards. And so there's some caveats and some flexibility within your team on how you want to keep guys. One of the big things that the Wild screwed up on is the Wild were really um, keyed in on – keeping mikal Granlin and a couple of the other younger guys, Charlie Coyle. And so, and I'm blanking on the name, but we, because I think they took Alex Tuck and then we also traded them. um, Like, I think it's Schmidt, but I I would need to double check that. But we basically, yeah, we traded a guy so that they wouldn't take Mikhail Granlin and, and Charlie Coyle. Like, I think gen- generally it was like a gentleman's agreement. So, we'll trade you this guy and then you will not take these guys. So, then they took Alex Tuck and then he turned into a borderline superstar. And then also, the guy we traded to them ended up being better, what appears to be better than Granlin and Coyle. So, it's just our.
1: Was that Howla?
3: Yes, Howla. Thank you. Yeah. And so, Howla was good too. And so, we kind of screwed the pooch on giving up two guys that we thought weren't gonna be as good. And then two guys we did hang on to ended up not working out as well. And now all four of them are gone.
0: (laughs) Aren't the Wild in a tough spot too for this upcoming expansion draft? Because a lot of their older guys have no move clauses. So they have to protect them no matter what. Like I know Prise and Suter. Suter we'd probably protect either way, but.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Spurgeon's new contract, Brodine's contract, uh, Suter's, Parise's, and the big ones, Mott's. Zuccarello who has really not panned out to be what we were hoping so I think those five like have no move clauses which are different than no trade clauses NHL has them both um, and the no move clause means you have to protect them in an expansion draft so it's uh, it's looking tough but the nice thing is guys like uh, I think some guys on their like rookie deal are already protected so like Kaprasov and Rossi. So we don't need to like protect them, which is nice.
1: One more plus for Vegas for you, Dalton, is that they don't have to participate in Seattle's expansion draft. They're exempt.
2: This is trash.
1: I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Should we move on to the Wolves now? Kind of 180 here from uh, the elite Minnesota Wild to the struggling Timberwolves. How?
2: A hollow meter is not not high. Let's just say that. Yeah,
0: tough news this week when the news broke that Cat uh tested positive for COVID. It's been pretty well documented that he and his family have gone through uh, a hellish year with COVID and he struggled a lot. So, you know, thoughts, prayers, positive vibes, all that go the town's family's way. Um, but for the Wolves it really sucks. You know, they've been without him because of injury for most of the season and now they're gonna lose him for at least four or five games here in a best case scenario as he waits out in the league's COVID protocols. Tough loss today to the Hawks. Um, definitely a team that you should be beating if you want to actually contend in the West, but fought, fell there. So they're three and nine now after a two and 0 oh start, three and two with Cat in the lineup. What do we have to say about our beloved losers, the Wolves?
2: I mean, the big thing for me is there just there's no defense being played anywhere. I mean, everywhere you look, there's, I think there's like seven of the, of the twelve games they've played have been over 120 points, or maybe it's nine. I think. Um, I mean, also nobody's rebounding the ball when Cat's not in the game. If you take him out, he's rebounding. He he's averaging 12 and a half rebounds per game. Do you know who the next guy is? The next highest guy is your boy Jarrett Culver at five point six rebounds per game. That he's leading the team in rebound in rebounds per game right now, and it's just that's baffling to me. We got to have defense, and we got to be able to rebound the basketball to even have a chance. But
1: uh, from today's game, it was pretty obvious that the Wolves just get dominated in the pick and roll situation. I, I think it was it was extremely effective with Capella and. Uh, trey young today they got whatever they wanted i mean anytime they ran the pick and roll between those two if and even when you had a Kogi mixed in in the pick and roll like who is our best uh defender the switches aren't clean like they don't come through enough the whoever is guarding the center always sags way too much and you end up in this situation where you're not guarding the ball handler and you're also not guarding the roller so they get the easy lob or an easy floater i mean i saw it a bunch of times today it was really disappointing and it it happened with Russell a lot as the on ball defender, which as is, is to be expected. Like we knew he's not a very good defender, but he's pretty lazy in the pick and roll, uh, trying to fight through a screen at all. And Nas Reed, like, love him offensively, love his effort, but in again in the pick and roll, he's almost useless. Like he he can't keep up with centers in terms of foot speed. And so it's putting us in a really, really tricky situation because every time that the Wolves today, at least when they were kind of climbing back into the game, they would go, they would go to that pick and roll. And our communication was so poor. There were multiple times in the first half, at least where there was nobody guarding Trey Young off a pick and roll. He was getting wide open three point opportunities. And you can't do that. Like that's a guy you should be cued in on. We're going over these screens. We're not going to let him shoot. And he was just like, we were getting lost in the conversation and he's wide open. But Anytime they needed a bucket, they went to the pick and roll and it pretty much worked all game long.
0: So, with the issues with like communication there and potentially scheme, the fact that you're letting Trey Young, you know, dance around wide open, do we think that Ryan Saunders has something to do with this? I know uh, there's been an outcry of at least a subset of Wolves fans that Saunders needs to go. Um, This is his second full season as the Wolves head coach. To me, I feel like it's a little bit premature to fire him. That is kind of an overreaction, you know, early season. Still a lot going on with COVID. The team hasn't played much together, you know, after the big trades last year. The team hasn't really had time to gel, especially with the um, shortened preseason. So I think firing him would be a bit of an overreaction. But there's certainly a a contingent of fans who think that he should be gone and it's hard to fault them after a three and nine start when the whole off season, they were selling hope and improvement. And it's really, I mean, hard to see any of that when you're watching some of these losses.
1: Yeah. I think it would be irresponsible to fire him at this point. Like he hasn't even had a chance to have his two best players arguably play together. Like it's, it's still mind blowing how few games cat and Russell have played together. And I think what we found out even when they do play together, it, is going to take a little bit longer than expected for them to uh, really get a feel for each other's games. I think it's because D'Angelo on the pick and roll is such a prober and he's very, very patient when, when he comes off a screen. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time for cat to kind of get that idea for when to roll, when to fade, like to get a feel for what Russell's going to do, because that's his game is this sort of like cat and mouse that he plays off the pick and roll. And it's really effective for him. Um, And I think it's more of like how how Cat can fit into that aspect of it. So you can't fire a guy until you let him have a little bit more time with his two best players on the court together. And the defense has been frustrating, but you get improvements from Culver. I think that's been a good sign, and that's a potentially uh, good indication of his coaching ability is to see improvement from a guy who, after his first year, some maybe even some on this podcast, were ready to totally write him off completely. I'm still
0: ready to write him off completely. (laughs) 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 I mean, offensively, we haven't seen... like Statistically, there have been no improvements in his game. He's still shooting around 50% from the free throw line. He's not scoring any more efficiently from anywhere on the court. He's rebounding more, but that's because they've been playing him at the four with the injuries. I don't know. He's good defensively, so there's that, but he brings nothing to the offense and it's tough when you have a guy who's supposed to be a wing who can't shoot the ball because then the defense doesn't have to respect him whatsoever. It's like, it's like the Ben Simmons situation in Philadelphia, but Ben Simmons is such a good facilitator and he's way oversized for point guards. We so can dominate guys physically. And Culver bulked up a little bit this off season, but he doesn't have the type of game that we, that really we saw at Texas tech where he was doing more facilitating and able to penetrate and, you know, create offense for himself. He's not doing any of that at the pro level.
1: I think it's been a a transition for him because he was like the primary guy at Texas tech and he did have the ball in his hands a lot. And I think we've seen time and time again, it's, it's a bigger adjustment period than people think to go from being the guy to having to try to be dynamic when you don't have the ball.
0: That's fair. I mean, he's not getting the ball. You're right because when Russell's not dominating the ball, we have Rubio in the game, and you know he wants the ball in his hands as well. But he was able to shoot the ball a little better at Texas Tech, where teams had to respect his outside shot at least a little bit. It had always, even before the draft, people knew the shot looked a little funky, but it worked at the college level. And so I think not translating at all to the NBA. That's sort of that limits your ability to drive because you know the guys can just sag off you and give you a week closeout if you do pull up. So I don't know. It is probably too early to completely sell on Jarrett Culver, but if they included him in a trade package for anyone else, like, like PJ Tucker, for instance, um, I would be a okay with that.
3: Do you think it's time for the wolves to like make a move to upgrade or like based on what you've seen from the team, is there enough sample size to be like, the writing's on the wall this year. It doesn't look like it's going to work out.
1: I think regardless of how this year's going, we have a massive hole in like the forward position. And at some point you need to fill it, whether it's this season or over this off season, because it, it's really limiting the team in terms of their when you, I mean, you have a Kogi who he's wildly undersized playing the four. You have the same thing happening with Culver, who's even more undersized playing the four. And I know it's like a positionless NBA, but like, they're totally mismatched in terms of the size on the court, and I think it's really hurt them. So the P.J. Tucker conversation is interesting because he does feel like he's the exact right fit for this team going forward. He's like everything that you think you would need to fix this team. He's a, he's a four who can guard a five because Cat can't really guard a five super well, um, but he can also guard fours, and he's just like he's gritty. He doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot to be effective offensively. He's really good on those catch-and-shoot situations. But he, it, like, he's 35. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Is he the guy to make that move for? Even though he feels like he's the right fit in terms of his play on the court, but I think every team in the NBA, for the most part, could say that P.J. Tucker's a really good fit for their team. He's just that kind of player. So does it really benefit the Wolves that much to make a move for P.J. Tucker? Like, do you give up on Jarrett Culver? Or I heard asking Price is like three second-round picks. Would you do that for P.J. Tucker?
2: And then probably not be able to sign him next year? To me, I would say no. It's probably not worth it if, if we don't start winning some ball games. But um, if they do, yeah. I mean, if they start to make some noise, they go on a little run, we get Cat back. Certainly, I think any help they can get is is much needed and much, I guess I would certainly look forward to it. I think if you look at the
0: roster and the record, making a win-now move seems like a strange thing to do. But then when you take into account the fact that it's likely the Wolves are going to be without their first-round pick next year, going to the Warriors, you kind of need to see some results because it's only going to hurt worse if you lose. And maybe you're the worst team in the league, but then with the new draft lottery odds it's very likely that you're going to lose your pick because it's going to fall out of the top three the pick's only top three protected so if it's four through 30 the Warriors get it to me if you're going to try to lose out and rebuild you're rebuilding with a dice roll because you might just suck and then get nothing in return for it so second round picks in the NBA that's like a you know sixth seventh rounder in the NFL draft I'm fine if it's three seconds for PJ I would take that but I I don't think I would give up young pieces because Minnesota is not an attractive free agent destination he doesn't have a ring he's aging he's going to want to go somewhere where he can compete next year so he would not be a multi-year player we'd get him for part of a season and then he'd be gone.
3: do you think there's a possibility of them it's kind of crazy to think well but and maybe P.J. Tucker's part of it, but them doing a little overhaul of the roster again this year like they did last year where we're just, like, moving and sh- basically shuffling the deck. I don't I don't know if I see that. Just kind of thinking about, you know, like you said, second-round picks aren't worth it, so maybe P.J. Tucker is not the guy they bring in, but is it worth it to utilize those second-round picks, being that there's not worth much to try to bring somebody in and maybe packaging them with players and trying to get someone younger than P.J. P- P.J. Tucker, um, or a couple guys like that uh, that are similar roles, but maybe not as good or maybe not as old, better contract situations possibly.
0: I'm fine with them dealing picks. Um, I kind of have a take on Gerson Rosas. The Wolves brought in Gerson Rosas two years ago now to be their president of Basketball Ops. And they brought him in from Houston where he was, I think their VP of Basketball Ops since 2013. And he's known as you know the innovator, the guy who's gonna make a make a deal to to maximize the players on the roster. But he's not known for his drafting ability. Um, if you look at his time when he was VP of basketball ops in Houston, they traded away most of their picks because Houston took the approach of like draft picks are the best capital for building a roster and we'd rather have proven players than taking rookies. So they only made, I think, four first round picks while he was um, running the team. And those four first round picks were, they were Sam Decker, Clint Capella, Royce White, and Terrence Jones. Sam Decker was picked most recently, 2015. He's already playing over in Turkey, I think. So one for four there, and then second round picks, you know, those aren't going to pan out most of the time anyway. But he's not a good drafter historically. And, And then if you look at his time with the Wolves, he took Jarrett Culver, and he traded up, and he really wanted Darius Garland. That was who they were targeting. But then Garland went one pick earlier to the Cavs. Garland and, and um, Culver were probably the two worst rookies out of the top 10 taken in that draft. So basically 0 for 2 there. Edwards, too early to tell on him. But I don't think Rosas is a great drafter. So if they want to move draft picks to get proven guys, I'm fine with that. Um, I think he's good at you know making moves with proven players trying to bring in a scheme to maximize, you know, maximize a roster in today's NBA, but I don't trust him to make the right decision when it's draft day.
1: Do you think Rosas can pry any of the forwards away from the magic for like a decent deal? I'm looking at their roster. They have Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Al Amino. I think, and they all pretty much play essentially identical positions. Is there one of those guys on that list that you guys would want? on the wolves who
0: well jonathan isaac has like no knee so i don't think he's he's gonna be playing in the next year um so that'd be a win next year move he's a good player i'd take him um i think aaron gordon would, is the big name there alfru aminu i think he's more of a defensive guy he's not going to bring a whole lot of offense which is not that what we you need. know we have enough yeah so it's it's a less splashy move you could maybe get him for i don't know his contract situation does anyone have that on hand
3: so it looked like um, before the 2019-2020 season, he signed a three-year deal or a two-year deal with a one-year player option. Um, and next year will be um, his player option year, which is likely to be about a $10 million cap hit.
1: But he was a guy who was important when the Blazers went to the Western Conference Finals. Like, I think he was a little bit of like a overlooked kind of player on that team. Uh, and then they lost him after that season and had a they struggled for a lot of reasons, but I think he not being on that roster might have been one of those reasons as well.
0: I wonder what they would want for a guy like Aminu. The fact that he signed with Orlando, he'll probably exercise his player option, so they're giving up a year and a half of control for a, a solid defensive player. I feel like they would want maybe a guy like Culver, a guy like Okogi. I don't know how the rest of the NBA views Culver. But if you're going to give up one of your good young defensive players to get a you know to sort of slide the defense into a power forward it seems kind of like a net neutral um, unless they think some of the other wings can step up.
1: Well if you look at our like small forward position we it seems like the spot on the team when we have the where we have the most depth if you believe that like Jake Lehman can do anything. Like I think he he, Akogi and Culver are all better serve playing at the three as opposed to the four and they're all getting most of their time at the four. Um, So if you could get a guy and yeah, shift the defense down to the four position, but then have one of the other two step into their actual position. I think, I think it would be a net positive then because you'd have two guys playing in position versus like one guy in position, one guy out of position, which is what's been happening for the wolves because Hernan Gomez is useless.
0: Yeah. That's looking like a bad signing every game. He's, He's getting uh, worse and worse, it seems. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, looking at Aminu, I mean, he shoots, wow, yeah, he shoots over 30%, 36, 37% the last two seasons.
1: Yeah, he's fairly efficient.
0: That's a guy who, you know, would bring playoff experience, would bring defense, and wouldn't be a guy who needs the ball in his hands. So I'm all aboard the Al Farouk Aminu train, baby, let's go.
1: There is one caveat. He did have knee surgery in December and has not played yet this season. Um, it was reported as like a fairly minor surgery. And he's kind of been that like the guy who's like, when's he coming back? When's he coming back? Nobody really has a full feel for his timetable right now. But so that could be a slight detractor to the. It could make it easier for us to get him, but. He, if you can't play, it turns out to be something a lot worse.
0: I think you roll the dice a little bit if you're the Wolves. Like, you're more willing to take a risk on a guy like that because of the way the season's going so far.
3: So basically what I'm gathering is Aminu could potentially be the next real and the guy dials in from deep, playing good defense, just a different position.
0: I think that's accurate.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so hypothetically, if the, the ship just keeps on tanking for the Wolves, do they just give the keys to to Ant Man at some point and just say, "Go for it, just do do your thing, do what you did in college"? Because I looked at a stat today, and I've seen that there's really a lack of consistency in the in the starting lineup. They've had se- in the first eleven games, they had seven different starting lineups, and Anthony Edwards has yet to be in the starting lineup. I guess I don't know if he started today, but up at least for the first eleven, he he hadn't started so. Are we almost to that point where they just say, go ahead? Or are they just trying to, you think, focus on making um, D'Lo and Cat happy right now? Oh, I thought you would Obviously like Cat. can't that. play. But... So,
3: you know, make him earn his stripes as a rookie. Shake it yeah. up. No, keep him on the bench. Well, hold him down. Make, You know, time to the field goal post. Do what you got to do to this rookie.
2: Well, with Cat out, I think you got to have him in there at some point. You got to mix some things up, which I guess they have been doing with seven different starting lineups. But... I feel like you also need some consistency. I think Ike, you were talking about a little earlier that, you know, they they just haven't gelled yet. I mean, cause there's been so many injuries and in so many, so many different lineups that they just can't get anything consistent and get anything rolling. And so I think
1: keeping him on the bench is their form of consistency. Like all these things are going to be changing around you this year. Like you, you're learning an entirely new game, essentially the, the college game versus the NBA game. There's so many ma- massive differences. Uh, you're moving to a new state. You have wildly different travel arrangements, and there's a lot more to take in. So it's like, can you? Can we keep your role the same for an entire season? And I think yours. I think you're going to get a lot more growth and learning from that versus like, yeah, let's just let this dude do whatever he wants on the court. Uh, didn't really work for Georgia. Didn't. I don't know how good that is for your development as a player to just be given total free reigns when you don't exactly know how to drive the car
0: and i think the fact that he had 2 points in 2 games before today
2: that's, that's a good point yeah
0: that sort of slows down any desire to put him in the starting lineup and it's kind of it quiets fans desire to see him in the starting
1: lineup too plus i really like him and rubio together
3: well that's a i think that's a, a good, good thing combo. so how, how do you guys feel about rubio how is, how, how do you feel he's playing
0: objectively pretty poorly he's averaging career lows in points assists and rebounds and he's averaging career lows per 36 minutes in uh, points and rebounds and his assists per 36 or his second worst of his career so it's not just a fact that he's playing fewer minutes he's playing worse in the minutes that he is playing Um, I think I don't know if it's been an adjustment because he's not used to coming off the bench he'd only come off the bench I think one time before this season in his entire career he was sick with COVID so I don't know if there was some getting back into shape. I think there have been some comments made that his, you know, he, he wasn't ready to go when the season started. Not necessarily his fault, but just he wasn't able to come back from COVID as quickly as some other people. But I think objectively he's playing poorly. I think he's frustrated. I'm sure the wolves are frustrated. You know, he's he needs to drive the bench unit. And a lot of the bench players are inexperienced guys, guys who can't necessarily create their own shot. Um, guys like Culver. So Rubio, we, we need him to be effective if, if they want to win.
3: Yeah, I feel like for me, it's just frustration with the Timberwolves. Like it felt like there might be a decent roster in there and then to have Cat miss games at the beginning and now miss games again, and to kind of have a weird season where they didn't get a full training camp to maybe all gel together with, I mean, a lot of these guys came in last year and then there's a decent amount of young players with you know Anthony Edwards and McDaniels and then you know just trying to get all these guys to gel together I feel like it's frustrating that we can't there we're not really putting out a solid product right now and I don't know if it'd be different if uh if there was a little bit healthier team but it certainly would you know clear up some of the areas where it's easy to make an excuse for the front office or even for us as fans like you can just say well cats only played in what four games so Um, It would just be easier to watch if we had the full squad out there and then we can kind of take them as they are. But uh, it's just been kind of a frustrating start to the year.
0: I think we should take a minute and just slander Fox Sports North for a moment for robbing us uh, of our ability to watch most of our, our favorite winter sports teams. What do you guys have to say about this?
3: It's a travesty. I think it's so frustrating you know, I, I don't know if it's just the wild se- or not the wild the Timberwolves segment that's got me a little razzled right now about just kind of underachieving a little bit, but this is just garbage. Like FSN is get is breaking contract or or maybe a better word is not renewing contract with all these streamers, and like I'm I'm not totally sure what their end goal is, but basically now you have to fall in line with corporate america by xfinity or whatever your local internet tv provider is and it's just bullshit you just got to fall in line you don't have any you know there's no free market in terms of trying to watch the wolves unless you illegally download which we as upstanding citizens would never have never and don't even know how some of us me to do that so i mean it's just so annoying like all all people want to do it Especially right now during the pandemic, just just let me sit at home, quarantine in my own time, watch my teams probably struggle. That's all I that's all I want. And right now, Foxport and Fox Sports North is taking that away from us. If this
0: isn't resolved by the Twin season, there will be riots at Fox Sports headquarters. I'll be at the gate. I will bring my torch. I will bring my pitchfork. I'll have something to say for those guys. Consider this a threat, Fox Sports North.
3: Yeah, I mean, I will say the one plug uh, for this whole thing might be that uh, my my gym has Xfinity. So your boy might be getting a little swole here or at least slimming down a little bit to, just to watch the woods <laughs> and the wild.
0: All right, well, I think that's a good place to leave it for this week. So we'll be back next week for episode four. Make sure to tune in. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Spotify or Apple podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Peace.
3: That's a wrap.
1: I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.